Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Go Steelers! Go Steelers! Say go Steelers! Go Steelers! Just a disclaimer, if these recordings sound like they were done from a pirate ship, is because more or less they were. Thank you for bearing with us with the uh, ham radio audio quality here that we're working on until after the Super Bowl. But once we get after the Super Bowl, we're going to have crystal clear, HD, high quality audio for your ears. But for now, enjoy you know this transmission from the middle of the jungle because it might sound like crap. But I have some thoughts that I'm pretty excited about. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast, a proud member of Sports Drink Network. I have so many thoughts regarding championship weekend. The first one is this. Do not root for the Bengals. What the hell is wrong with you? These Bengals, I can't even, I can't truly say what I want to say about them on here because I guess, you know, this is a family podcast. DM me and I can tell you all the names we have for the, for the Bengals in our spare time, but let's just say this is the same fan base that threw full beer cans at the greatest athlete in the history of American sports, Ben Roethlisberger, all sports, when he was getting carted off the frickin' field due to injury, thanks to Fonte's perfect. All right? This fan base is trash. This is T.J. Hushmanzada wiping his cleats on the terrible towel, and then the other guy was a Jeremy Hill. We love him, though. He's the ball dropper. Shazier took his uh, rock away, along with his manhood, in that state of playoff game. But the first matter of business is just to remind Steelers fans, do not root for the Bengals under any circumstance. I don't care what an awesome story it is. They're evil people. I hope none of them can get pregnant, and I hope that they lose the Super Bowl by 90 points, but I don't think they will. Okay, now that that disclaimer is out of the way, if we remove... I don't want to say our emotions. I'm going to say our intellect from this game and understanding the fight of good versus evil. What an unbelievable Super Bowl for the NFL. Another reason that shows the NFL is the king of all the leagues. Because who would have predicted? They won like four games last year, and Joe Burrow looked awesome. So you're thinking, oh, they could have a Super Bowl in their future. But his leg blew up into like four different pieces, so there's no way it's going to be this year. And then secondarily, it's also it's the Bengals. So they've had a great quarterback before. You know, Carson Palmer was very good. Uh, his leg also blew into a million pieces, but no comment on that one. So I know Kimo Van Olhoffen was pushed into his leg, and then immediately after the injury happened, he got up and, and demonstrably was upset that he realized Carson Palmer was injured. So he didn't take him out or anything like that. God took him out. No, just kidding. This uh, turnaround by the Bengals is unbelievable, and it just shows you what you can do with the franchise quarterback and some superstar offensive players because that's the name of the game. 
now, right? All the teams who are participating this week have that, except for you saw how it worked for Jimmy Garoppolo's team when he tried to win the game in the end. It did not work. It worked poorly. But pretty amazing story, the Bengals reaching the Super Bowl. Uh, I, I will say this. Anybody who makes it to the Super Bowl deserves it. And the reason why the, the Bengals deserve it is because they outlasted their opponents. I don't think that any of their playoff wins were particularly impressive. I mean, the Raiders, whatever, French playoff team, didn't beat them by much, almost lost the, the game on the last play of the game from the seven-yard line or whatever it was. The Titans, probably the least impressive one seed we've seen in recent history, if not all history. Weird that the Steelers got crapped on so much last year for being the worst 11-0 team ever, but we just want to praise Rabel and the Titans for, for this one seed. And, and they deserve the praise. But I, I just find it odd that none of us admitted, like, is anybody actually scared of playing the Titans? Or is it just... Hey, they're pretty good. We should respect them a little bit more than we already do. And they're good, and I guess they could beat anybody. Yeah, that's what they are. Nobody was scared of them. And the and the uh, the Bengals required some help at the end of that game to beat them. And once again, not this isn't taking away from what the Bengals have done because it's just so hard to string together three great playoff games in a row or three playoff games in a row where you win. Uh, but it just puts in perspective, like, it's cool that they made it if I take my hatred for Cincinnati out of the equation. But it is a little bit of a bummer that they didn't necessarily look that impressive doing it. And even against Kansas City, it really was more of a story of Kansas City blowing it. I mean, they go out there at 21-3 or whatever it is. Kansas City should be the best team in the league. More on them in a second. They, like, they perfectly outline a lot of the points that I've been making on the podcast for the last few months. But Kansas City should have had that. This wasn't Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase going off for big stats and big plays through the air versus the Chiefs or really versus either one of the teams. Like, when you saw the Bengals beat the Chiefs in the regular season, you thought, oh, my gosh, this could happen. And we said it after that happened. Like, oh, okay, look at that. Bengals come in the Super Bowl. If you have that type of quarterback and that type of firepower with a defense that isn't crap, and, of course, their defense is good, you can win the Super Bowl despite the name, um, the helmet, or whatever, the name on the jersey, the team name, or, you know, the fact that the quarterback's young, doesn't matter. We already saw what we needed to see. But the playoffs didn't look like that for the Bengals. They just outlasted teams. And it just brings me to think it is so difficult in the salary cap era to have both a good offense and a good defense. And generally, you know, you're going to need that superstar quarterback to kind of boost the level of play, as evidenced by the fact that the – the Bengals have had some key free agent acquisitions on defense, like Mike Hilton and Reader and, and some of these other guys. Um, Hendrickson, I mean, Hopper's obviously from the draft. But on offense, they've kind of got this great home, homegrown draft talent, but their offensive line is very poor. Well, guess what? It gets negated by the great QB, as we saw a QB in Pittsburgh negate a terrible offensive line for a Super Bowl victory um, you know, a little over a decade ago. So, it just didn't look the way you would think a Super Bowl run looks. So, from that standpoint, I really am rooting against them in the Super Bowl with all sincerity. And it's fun to have someone to root against. That's why, actually, a lot of the Patriots Super Bowls are a lot of fun because you definitely wanted one team to beat the other team. 
which is whoever's playing the Patriots, I want them to win. And I do want the Rams to win for a lot of reasons, but the chief reason is I don't want the Bengals to win. I don't want them to ever have anything nice in the history of their franchise. But I do hope that they play well because they really haven't been as entertaining in the playoffs as we thought. But it's just a good lesson to show. Like, their defense really stepped it up. They've got an interception in, like, the last two minutes of every game in the playoffs, it feels like. Big plays all over. I mean, Mike Hilton making a lot of them. That's pretty annoying. That guy was extremely affordable. How much more money does he make than Derek Watt? Like, not a lot. That one, to me, is an L for the Steelers. Not just because he's doing well for a playoff team. You know, they they have to they really have to shed a lot of salary. But just he's doing well for a playoff team and not making a ton of money. It's annoying. But, yay, Bengals, congratulations. You made it to the Super Bowl. Joe Burrow, definitely incredible. Uh, Jamar Chase showing you if you can get an elite receiver, it's more valuable than an elite tackle, right? There are so many other players around the tackle uh, with linemen, people with chip blocks, and the quarterback himself with his ability with a multitude of ways to get rid of the ball or not to get sacked. You can get rid of the ball fast. You can juke people out. You can step up in the pocket. There's a lot of ways to cover up for an average tackle, when you're an elite receiver and you're one-on-one or one-on-two on the outside, there's no way to circumnavigate that. You just have to be awesome. So it kind of shows you what a really elite receiver can do for your team. And, uh, yeah, no congratulations to them at all. I hope they feel the pain of losing the Super Bowl here next week. Now, the Los Angeles Rams have been built pretty differently from the Bengals. Obviously, the Bengals have a ton of homegrown talent. The Rams, actually, I, I saw a tweet today that said they're actually sixth place in the NFL in terms of having homegrown talent, which is interesting. But just all their headliners are these massive free agent acquisitions, and they have no draft picks for the next 40 years or something along those lines. And here they are in the Super Bowl. And I'm definitely rooting for them for a number of reasons, but it, they outline – Maybe my most passionate football point or issue, which is we've placed way too much credit and way too much blame on quarterbacks. Yes, they have, they do deserve the most credit and the most blame of any player and, and possibly even including coaches, but that number of credit and blame should not be 100%, which is what we think it is. I understand that it's tough to watch a quarterback on TV, especially it's a little bit easier in person. We could see how fast things are moving. It's tough to tell what a quarterback is being asked to do because half of that stuff is not even included in the television screen because, you know, the receivers in the secondary aren't in the screen all the time and it moves fast. And it can be hard to tell how fast the ball is moving or the trajectory, the spiral, just from watching it on TV. But Matthew Stafford, incredibly talented. Detroit. The worst franchise in history, probably, at this point, right? He hadn't won a playoff game in, what was it, like 12 years, 10 years over there. And eventually you say, well, it's got to be the quarterback. And you could easily respond and say, okay, name me four other Lions players that aren't, you know, Calvin Johnson in that time period. Four good Lions players. Four. That's what I'm asking for. And, I mean, I'm half joking, but really, name me ten defensive Lions players who are actually good. Over a ten-year span. That shouldn't be that difficult. You could say that for any other team. Their team is devoid of talent. They weren't just devoid of talent. They, were the, they got the number one pick when they chose Matthew Stafford, 
and their talent level stayed like that for 10 years. We've seen the historic lack of success that team has had, not just a little, a historic amount. The Bengals, we laugh about them. They've had tons of good teams. The Carson Palmer teams, Carson Palmer teams, pretty much every single one of Andy Dalton's teams, they were all competitive. They made the playoffs with somewhat regularity. The Lions are the worst team ever. So you can't just eventually turn and say, oh, Matthew Stafford's not a winner. When you look at him play on the field, I'm not saying he's the best quarterback, but it's blatantly obvious how good the guy is. He goes to Los Angeles, immediately goes to the Super Bowl in the first year. Immediately goes to the Super Bowl. And, yes, it's because it's not that just that he went to another team. He went to a very good team, a super talented team with a top-tier coach, who also, by the way, proved himself once again, Sean McVay, after be, having an amazing reputation when he started in the NFL, then sort of sliding off. And I'm sitting here yelling, trying to say he's playing with the quarterback once again. That is not even of a starting caliber in Jared Goff. Not even a starting caliber quarterback. The guy's terrible, and they're dragging him to these playoff games, into this Super Bowl. And here you are. Proves the point for both of them. Like, yes, you need support around you. And he went to a very good team. Uh, Some say an all-star team. I don't know if I quite agree with that. I think they don't have nearly the amount of talent that Tampa Bay has had the past two years. But, of course, they've got a lot of good guys. Also, it's kind of... uh, it's kind of sweet for the Odell Beckham Jr. situation. Another guy where you're looking at this in Cleveland and you just think, why is this so difficult for everybody to wrap their minds around? Why can't we just admit that Baker Mayfield's not that good? And maybe he'll get good again because he did have a fantastic rookie year where he looked really good. But then just look at the amount of times he throws the ball to the other team or throws the ball on the ground. Or how many times against the Steelers alone did he overthrow Beckham when he was wide open for a 50-yard touchdown? I mean, people just could not wrap their heads around it because they've made up their minds that Odell is a diva or something like that. Well, Odell's still good. Newsflash. And you could tell that in Cleveland and you can see it here now. So I think the Rams are this fun um, experiment in roster building and construction. And then they've also proven wrong a bunch of annoying NFL stereotypes. All right. Let's talk about the losers. Kansas City Chiefs, San Francisco 49ers. I think all of the teams in the finals this year – uh, really shed a lot of light on the Steelers, where the Steelers are at, where they need to go, where they could go. And I think also it just puts into perspective what I've been trying to push home this this whole season is Tom Brady is in everybody's heads. And it's not just Tom Brady. It's Tom Brady and Bill Belichick is what really I mean to say because the Patriots have broken everybody's expectations of what it is to be a dynasty. It will never be repeated in the salary cap era. Every other dynasty was accomplished you know, sans salary cap, right? More or less that way. And the level of success they had, if you really look at the playoff runs, it's not like Tom Brady dominated his way through every playoff run. It was a team effort, mostly defensively led. If you look at most of Tom Brady's Super Bowls, and I'm relating this back to the Chiefs for obvious reasons, you know, with Patrick Mumsley and the team, most of Tom Brady's Super Bowl wins are defensive led. The past two were Tampa Bay completely defensive-led. I know he put up great numbers and played well as a quarterback, but it was the defense that won that championship for them. 
bailed him out of three fourth quarter, three second half interceptions, two in the fourth quarter of the NFC Championship game, and harassed Patrick Mahomes to the point of uh, victory in the actual Super Bowl itself. You know, Rams, the ones where they beat the Rams recently, they scored like 13 points, won the Super Bowl, same thing. Not taken away from Tom Brady, just trying to put it into perspective how difficult it is to get a, a full team victory all the time. But the thing that is inarguable about Tom Brady's career is how clutch he was in the fourth quarter. And Patty Mahomes has fallen a little bit short in some of these things. Obviously, the week before is the opposite. He maybe had the best fourth quarter of any quarterback in the history of football. But sometimes he can run a little hot and cold, and that's how the Chiefs run in general. Not just their play call, not just their players, but their play calls as well. And right now you're looking at this Chiefs first four seasons for Mahomes. They've been in the AFC Championship game four times. They have accomplished winning in the Super Bowl one of those times. So they're basically one in three in Super Bowl opportunities. All they're doing is getting older. Travis Kelsey, who's still amazing, is 32, though. So that's not going to last for that much longer. They've been so lucky where all four of these playoff runs, Hill and Kelsey, have been healthy the entire time. Whereas the Steelers didn't get Bell and Brown for a single full playoff run. They had like the Dolphins game and the Kansas City Chiefs game that one year. But, they, you know, so every missed opportunity for the Chiefs further shrinks the likelihood that they could be the next dynasty to the Patriots. And, of course, I never expected them to be the dynasty like the Patriots because 20 years is absurd. And like everyone says, you could look at Tom Brady's career and it's three separate Hall of Fame careers, totally different identities and rosters on those Patriots teams. But you'd at least think that the Chiefs could be the first – you know, three or four Super Bowl win team since the Patriots' original dynasty. I guess the second one too, right? And uh, I just don't know if that's going to happen, man. Because when you get this far in the playoffs, it's just hard to seal the deal. There's so much luck that goes into it. And if you screw up one game, it's over. And it, it was just such a bummer to see the Chiefs lose that way because I do root for them. There's uh, Because Patrick Mahomes is the most easy player to root for in history. I mean, the guy is the most fun football player to watch ever. And I know we're getting Josh Allen, you know, coming on the scene and sort of equaling a lot of Mahomes' prowess. But Mahomes still has that extra element of all the crazy throws with the sidearm and the arm angles and the shovel passes and left hand, whatever it may be. There's just an element of fun to his game, and he's such a good guy. He was even incredibly gracious in the post-game presser. And I know everybody hates his wife and his brother, as they should. Those people are unbelievably obnoxious. But to make that, to let that um, turn you against Patrick Mahomes says a lot more about you as a person. That is so weird. You are so weird, if that's your opinion. I'm going to take this incredibly lovable guy who's only done great things on and off the field, and I'm going to hate him because of his douchebag you know, siblings or whatever. Like, you just want to be miserable. Like, you, you got to get used to Patrick Mahomes playing in a lot of big games. You might as well like it while it's happening, especially since he makes it very easy to root for him. But, yeah, Kansas City choke artists, that, that's what they are. Andy Reid, when he's had Super Bowl opportunities, that's eight championship games, four with the Eagles, four with the Chiefs. The man is one in seven and winning the actual Super Bowl. So I just hope this is putting it all together for – Steelers fans in terms of the expectations we have for coaches and for teams. 
Because I'm not even saying, oh, Andy Reid just chokes in those big games. I'm just saying it's hard. It is so hard, and it takes a lot of circumstance. So I would say it's actually very disappointing not getting Chiefs-Rams, where you really get probably the two best teams besides the Buccaneers in there. I would like to see Patrick Mahomes take that mantle of the best quarterback of all time. And since the public is so obsessed with quarterback wins, unless it comes to Jerry Bradshaw for some reason, or Ben, they uh, no, they do give Ben respect generally for the wins. You're going to need to win more Super Bowls if you're Patrick Mahomes to get put in that conversation, even if you are the best quarterback. Because when you look at this Chiefs team versus a lot of those Patriots teams, the entire thing runs through Patrick Mahomes. There's no great defense. There's no running game. There, there's nothing. It goes through Mahomes. And then that's also the problem. Why it's hard to win that way is because if he's off a little bit, you don't have anything to fall back on. And I know they've had good defenses, but by no means great. They're more opportunistic and, and, and stuff like that. So disappointed to see them not win. It is cool to see a team like the Bengals, who you would never expect in a million years to get back to the Super Bowl, to actually get there and to get new faces. New storylines is a big thing because with the dominance of the Patriots, you got to admit, like, it just got – it's so boring. Like, it's always just Patriots-focused. And now you get a lot more stories about Burrow and Chase and, you know, the, all the randos they have on that team. And same with the Rams. Everybody wants Aaron Donald to win a Super Bowl. You know, one of the greatest players of all time. He's kind of in that category of, oh, this guy might be the number one football player ever. Obviously, you could never name that single guy. But if you were going to make a group, he would certainly be in it. You want to see him win, but you get guys like Odell and, and Stafford with second chances. You get Sean McVay's second chance as a guy who's proclaimed to be the next great coach. He gets another chance at winning a Super Bowl. A lot of cool storylines. It's going to get incredibly annoying after this first week. That second week of Super Bowl prep is always so brutal. I understand giving them the two weeks because it, it lets you get a little more healthy and ensures the best game uh, possible. But damn, I... I'm going to relish this first week because by the second week, you're ready to pull your hair out with hearing every story 17 times about these guys. But all that being said, I also like to watch greatness and greatness be chased. And so it's a bummer to see that the Chiefs didn't get it. And I think it would be cooler to see the Bengals make it if they had been high flying the entire time in the playoffs. Now, that being said, the, the Bengals are so young, they could come back next year and be high-flying in the playoffs. So I don't want to make it sound like I'm taking anything away from them just because they're all terrible and irredeemable people. All right, the 49ers. It's simple. We already talked about it with Odell. It's Jimmy. Look, we're talking about quarterback wins and losses. You are seeing what the difference a great quarterback makes. Or a bad quarterback, like Jimmy. Very handsome. Not good at throwing. Or really anything else as far as that is concerned. Ticking time bomb. Every six passes is going to be a potential interception. Never going to give you any threat of a big play whatsoever down the field on 40, 50-yard passes, anything like that. It will never happen with them. Never going to make a great scramble to an incredible – you know, it's just – it's so difficult to win with a guy like that. And this is why I get annoyed when I try and put the Tom Brady thing into perspective because when you say it's a total team effort and, and this is what happens when you match the greatest coach of all time with – one of the greatest, maybe the greatest quarterback of all time. Like, that's what you get. It's, I'm not saying Tom Brady was carried 
by this system. That's insane. It's, no, no, no. There's a symbiotic mutual relationship there. And that's why it's so freaking difficult to beat them. The same way it was so difficult to cover Antonio Brown when he was in Pittsburgh because of all those unbelievable catches he would make. So many of those were unbelievable throws. You know, Alex Cazora posted a great thread of forgotten great Ben Roethlisberger throws. And there's one that's actually one of my favorites, which is from a few years ago when they had to make the comeback against the Packers and he threw that sideline pass that look, there was no way AB could have gotten two feet down. Somehow he did. It was like a 30 yard pass to put them in a field goal range on the game winning drive and unbelievable catch and toe, toe drag I- incredible throw like reminiscent to San, the, to San Antonio Holmes touchdown pass. It was like, why would Ben th- make that throw to San Antonio in between three guys? Oh, well, it's kind of hard to argue with. It was a perfect pass, perfect spiral over the outstretched hands of the defenders there. And it was just unbeatable, unguardable when you have guys like that. And that's what Tom Brady and Bill Belichick were like. So, obviously, it's Super Bowl time. we got to use the Patriots as the, you know, as the model here. That's why I'm talking about them so much. But with Jimmy G, it really is that simple. This team has gotten this far Two times recently with basically a very similar roster of core players. And they just can't get it done, even though they're winning in the end of all these games, because their quarterback sucks. He's not he's not even okay. Like Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins, some other guys who are like, okay, you would never consider Kirk Cousins or Derek Carr in the same universe as the elite guys, Mahomes, Allen, Watson, these type of dudes. So that kind of, to me, says like, yeah, those guys are like above average, Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr. Even if you had them, you'd have a much better chance. And people want to blame Kyle Shanahan for all these massive fourth quarter losses they've had, these uh, big fourth quarter leads they've given up in the playoffs. And to me, it's like, it just is unbelievable that he got them that far, right? Which is also unbelievable that Josh Allen got his team that far. Because they don't have much else besides him. Like, yeah, number one defense, I mean, overrated, right? We can agree, especially when you get scored on with 13 seconds left in regulation that way. No marquee pass rusher. Really no marquee players of anything. Like a nice little safety tandem. But overall, Josh Allen took them as far as he could. And he lost to a team that had way more star power. And the same thing goes for Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers. The fact that they get this far with Jimmy is incredible. But then when you get down to the very end of the very best teams in the NFL, it's just hard to overcome the amount of star power that these other teams have. And the Rams, their star players made huge plays at the end of that game. Stafford, who definitely had a few doy-doy plays and doy-doy throws earlier. I mean, almost I wouldn't say he he almost lost the game at that interception to Jaquiski Park that he dropped. There was like nine minutes left in the game at that point. I mean, obviously, I've been really bad looks for Stafford, but there's a lot of time left, and they were down by three or something. So, or up by three, can't remember. It was a three-point game. But Stafford made massive throws. Right after that throw, it was like a 30-yard laser to Odell. Uh, Odell made a couple phenomenal catches where he got smashed and held on to the ball. Cooper Cup made big plays. And then the last two plays of the game were Vaughn Miller, then Aaron Donald. Right? It's just so hard to overcome that. When your quarterback isn't that great. And I hope that this shows to everybody, there's no point in picking up Jimmy G. What is the difference between Jimmy G and and Mason Rudolph? I I don't think that Jimmy G is necessarily even much better of a quarterback than Mason. Of course, he's more athletic. He's more fluid. He can move around. He's composed. But he doesn't throw the ball deep at all. And at least Mason will do that. But sure, I'd say Jimmy's better. But it's just so marginal. What is the point to pay a guy like that money? 
when you have someone cheap like Mason Rudolph, how many more games are you going to win with Jimmy? One, two, like maybe. And what's even the point of that? Like if you're going to be middling, be middling. I've been saying on the podcast recently, you can't tank, but I also don't understand, you know, wanting to be middling that way. I guess if you could structure the contract really favorably where you could offload them after a year or two, then sure, it makes a better difference to, to make a better football team. But I'm kind of of the mindset that the NFL has changed. You got to look at what the two teams in the Super Bowl are. One team didn't have a great quarterback, and they kept getting back to the Super Bowl or around the Super Bowl, and they couldn't get over the hump because their quarterback was garbage. Not just average, but garbage And Jerry Goff. They had to trade the farm to get that quarterback. And I know they made a lot of other moves. Sure, that's what the Steelers should be doing right now. They should be preparing for a Rams-like set of moves. The game now is if you can get your way to a Joe Burrow or Justin Herbert, awesome. But if you can't, you're going to be middling. You're going to be the Vikings. You're going to be there for 10, 20 years without getting that guy. So just cash in and try and put another trophy in the trophy case. That being said, that's probably not the way the owners think. They want – people to be at their games all the time and if you're generally in playoff contention people will come see you but i think you know jimmy g is just a stafford situation in in los angeles they had jared goff couldn't get over the hump the san francisco 49ers tried to get stafford couldn't get him the rams got him and we saw the outcome and it's as simple as that because the coaches are just about even. The rosters are just about even after all the free agency signings the Rams make. It was the quarterback in that game that you can say made the difference. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate.